You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Interestingly enough, over the past few days, I found myself reflecting over this past year. You ever do that at the end of the year? Just kind of think back. And I don't know, it's something about the change of a year. It's the chance to kind of look back and reflect and look ahead and, and think. And, you know, so I've, I've had a lot of great memories from this past year. In February, both Betsy and I had a chance to uh, travel with uh, a number of others from uh, Grace Covenant to Israel. Spent 10 days over there seeing and exploring uh, where Jesus walked and the others in the Bible. And uh, it was pretty cool experience to be able to do it together as well. In July, I had an opportunity, to, a teaching opportunity for, uh, over in Nigeria. And had a chance to be part of that and do that. And we've had numerous times with our um, adult children, um, both here in Charlotte and in Boston and Pittsburgh. And our oldest son got engaged. There's just a lot of really cool things happen personally this year. And then, but even here at Grace, think about you know the, what's happening here. And you know, Julia's come on board this year um, has been a really, a really significant gift to all of us. Um, Kate and Missy. Uh, Kistemaker have started spending time and in investing in middle school and high school students, which has been incredibly strategic for us uh, as an organization. Um, this year, many of you became part of us, became part of Grace Covenant, which is really cool. Um, some of you weren't here this time a year ago, and so to be able to be part of what's happening here is just really, really special. Who will ever forget Trunk or Treat this year? Almost a thousand people came through this building. I still don't know how we did it. I, I just I remember the one time looking at the line to get in from the door all the way to the end of the building just to get in. And yeah, that was crazy. Um, we've really we've celebrated some really good times, haven't we? We've had some really fun experiences together, and we've loved on and supported one another through some tough challenges too. We really have. And uh, through it all, I think we're really, truly becoming a community of faith. I think this is what we see in the book of Acts. We see in Paul's writing, this is what, I think what we're experiencing, what Paul was wanting to see his group experience as well. For that, I am really, really grateful. If anything, this year has reminded me that life is a journey. It really is. And uh, if you were to compare life to an athletic event, you would consider it a race, but not a sprint. It's not quick, although time does seem to be flying by as we look back, but, but it's not. It's more of a marathon, isn't it? Instead of trying to beat all the other runners, our goal is to run a good race and to finish well. For that reason, even though I'm not one who usually makes New Year's resolutions, there's a number of things I'd like to do better next year in 2020. And no, I'm not going to divulge them here. Um, And that's really the message behind the three verses we want to look at here this morning. Paul is talking to his readers there in in Hebrews 12, and he's telling them they've really started well. This life of faith, this life together in faith, they've really done well to that point. And he's wanting to tell them, you're doing great. You really are. You're doing good. You're, you're, you're doing, hang in there. I know it's a challenge at times, but don't give up. You can do it. And that's the message that Paul is saying. Um, so in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 3, um, there's three verses. Let's read these together, shall we? Um, so let's uh, hear it on the screen. Some of you might have it on another 
um, Bible or piece of equipment, whatever is easiest for you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for these words from Paul, as he's encouraging this group of believers 2,000 years ago, and yet we find these same words relevant to us today. So Lord, help us to better understand a little bit what he was saying and talking about that we might in turn live lives that would be fulfilling and pleasing to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. A um, couple things about this verse I'd like to point out. First off, if I could have that first pet section back up again. Uh, yes, thank you. So we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What or who is the cloud of witnesses is a question I think is, is relevant to ask. And, you know, because it's not Christians, because Jesus has just, you know, just gone and returned to heaven. And these witnesses he's talking about actually precede Jesus. So he's not talking about them. And it's, well, the, really, the answer actually in this particular context is difficult because it's very limited. But actually, if we go back to the prior chapter, Paul spends the entire chapter 11 talking about 17 individuals by name. And then he refers to a bunch more. But uh, he talks about them who've lived life of faith and were considered to be righteous. He's referring to all those who preceded them. Um, during on Christmas, when, when our families, many of you were here last week, got a chance to meet our kids, our three kids, our, and also our son-in-law and our, our future daughter-in-law. And so the five of them were here. And on Christmas Day, um, we actually went to, to see a movie. Now, as it worked out, all the guys wanted to go see Star Wars. Um, you know, it's uh, The Rise of Skywalker. All the women wanted to see Little Women. So we split up. So the boys went here and the girls went here and everyone was happy. And, uh, so, but anyways, from Skywalker, those who are, who are familiar with Star, Walker, uh, Star Wars, I will tr- if you haven't seen it, I'll try not to spoil anything. So I'll try and keep it general in that sense. But there's a scene where the main character is kind of at the end of her capacity. And she's really not knowing to, she's, she's ready to give up. And then Luke appears, you know, the, the, the Jedi, and, he, and he's, he's flanked. Actually, I have a picture. Yes. So he, he's flanked by all these other Jedis with him, and he makes this comment where he says, you are never alone. Something like this is my paraphrase. Every Jedi who's ever lived is with you. I think that really is pretty cool. And really, that's what Paul is telling us here in this passage, that you are never alone. You've got all these people who have followed God, who have been obedient to him, who have given their lives to their faith, who have preceded you. You are never alone. <clears throat> they face challenges and yet remain faithful. If they did it, you can do it too. 
He wanted his readers, and he wanted us, he wants us, to be inspired by those who went before us. So actually, chapter 11 is pretty interesting when you read of some of the accounts of what some of those people did and what they endured because of their obedience to God. So that's one. And when we talk about the great cloud of witnesses, that's who he's talking about, all of those who precede us in faith. The other thing I think that was interesting is actually still in that same verse, is this whole idea of running a race. Why an athletic metaphor? I mean, there's a lot of things he could have been talking about. Why did he compare it to a race? I think like any good communicator or a leader, you want to work within terms and things that are familiar to your group, to your people. Now, most of us today, we know that the Olympics happen every four years, and it's moved to different places in the world. But the Olympics actually, you know when the Olympics actually started? A little more than 700 B.C., so by the time of Christ, the Olympics had been going on, and it's still even at that day it was every four years, for over 700 years by the time we get here, and would continue on for another 400 years, the Olympics were a big deal. And we know from Greek history and from Roman history that this idea of competing and races and running and throwing and wrestling was part of the culture. This is what they did for entertainment, for pleasure. Just like today, they're sports heroes, they're sports Athletes were their heroes of the day. So Paul was using a metaphor, using an example that everyone would understand and would would, uh, um, be able to uh, compare themselves to. So my third thing I think is important about this passage really is it really doesn't speak to this passage specifically, but it's more general in nature. And that's this. You don't have a choice to run in the race or not run in the race. By virtue of being alive, you're in the race. So the question isn't, do I want to run or not run? The question is, how will I run? Thus, that being the case, it's important for us, I think, to understand a few things about this thing that we call a race of faith. First, the race of faith is a race of grace. Our salvation is based on grace not on how we live our life. Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We need, we need to remember that we run the race not to make God happy, not to earn his favor, not for his benefit. We run it because of his love. We run because he loved us first. We run in response to what he's already given to us. The race, the spiritual race is a race of grace. It's also a race of hills. Um, In our neighborhood, I've got a six-mile circuit that I use for riding my my bike, and um, there are just hills throughout the whole thing. I'm either huffing and puffing up a hill or wearing out my brakes going down a hill. There's very, very few. Actually, there's only one stretch that's maybe a block long that's relatively flat. Um, So it's really not fun (laughs) because of all the work. But I know it's good for my legs. I know it's good for my heart. I know it's good for me, so I do it. And I press on. And the Bible is actually, when Paul's talking here, the Bible is actually where we get this idea of no pain, no gain. Now, it doesn't actually say it in that way, but the idea is still conveyed. In James chapter 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials. Like, really? Joy? When we face trouble? Again, it's this no pain, no gain kind of stuff. 
Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The race of faith is a race with hills. We will encounter challenges along the way. Thirdly, the race of faith is a race with rewards. I know the outline in your worship guide refers to 1 Corinthians 3.8, but I think actually another verse, I actually think it's actually a little better verse, it's Philippians 3.14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a prize. The, the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, consistently and regularly talk about the prize at the end of our race. So we don't do this because we don't, we're not running the race because we want to make God happy. But it is important to recognize that there are rewards and there is benefit to us there at the end. Lastly, this race of faith is a race to a better future. 1 Corinthians 2.9 tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even comprehend what lays before us. The reality is, even though what we see in Scripture about heaven it is so limited in its explanation because we do not have the vocabulary to accurately describe what that's going to be like. It's just insufficient. Whatever, whatever we might want to say about it is insufficient. Our mind cannot comprehend what will, heaven will be like. <clears throat> Very clearly, there's a lot at stake for us. And it's determined entirely by how we run our spiritual race. The race is not where one person wins and everyone else loses. Winning is about finishing and, and finishing well. Everyone can win their race. Kind of a take on everyone gets a trophy at the end of the, the, end of the season here. Everyone can win. But that being the case, how do we run the race then? How do we win our particular race? I think there's a few thoughts. <clears throat> First off is, again, in your worship guide, the outline there says, focus on Jesus, number one. Now, I actually want to pause there, and I'm going to skip to number two, and I'm going to circle back at the end and come back to number one, all right? So the second thing, the second way we can um, win our race is to confront the idols. Confront the idols. In the passage we read together, Paul said, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off everything that hinders. And I know that in your outline it talks about idols. And actually the definition there is idolatry is when we put aside what God really wants in order to satisfy cravings or desires that are contrary to his wishes. As I've reflected on this, I'm not sure idolatry is the best term there. Um, Now most of you know that as a team, there's a group of us that meet about usually six weeks in advance preparing the outline for the sermons. And so I have no doubt that six weeks ago, as we were going through this, I was going through it, and I said, hey, that's great. Let's go. We, and everyone signed off on it, and here we go. And, but at the time, you know, while it just sounded fine, you know, as I've prayed and as I've read and as I've reflected about this passage since then, I've actually come to see that Paul's intent here was a little bit different. Um, If you think about the first century Olympic Games we just talked about earlier, you realize that Paul, when he speaks, when he speaks of throwing off everything that hinders, he's referring to things like clothing. 
Now, remember back in the day, you know, they wore, in the Middle East, they would wear the robes because it was really hot. And, and so, you know, they would, a lot of times when they were having to do work, they would tie up their robes so that they wouldn't get in the way. If you know from the movies or even from your, your um, history that the Olympic athletes really far back actually would, would do their things naked. They would wear nothing. Nothing was hindering their movement. Um, I think by the time of Jesus, they were wearing clothing, but it was very limited and specialized clothing. And even today, the sports clothing industry is huge. I mean, from the swimsuits they wear, the track suits they wear, everything is to not encumber the athlete. <clears throat> it's to give them the most motion, the most, um, to be the lightest, the strongest, whatever it needs to be, so that the athlete is functioning at full capacity. That's, I think, is what Paul is talking about here. And some, some translations actually refer to this as extra weight. Get rid of the extra weight you're carrying so that you don't become hindered in your race. So then from a spiritual standpoint, Paul is telling us to get rid of distractions. I think all of us have good intentions in our walk of faith, but life just sometimes gets in the way, doesn't it? You know, some, it's not, you know, it's actually pretty more often than I care to uh, probably to admit, but I'll start off Monday mornings with a list of here are the things I want to do today. And there are some times where I don't even get to my list until Wednesday. Because once I start, things pop up and all these things, and I become distracted by urgent things and some things that are important. The things that I had set out to do, I don't get to actually until sometimes days later. Has that ever happened to you? You know, so to me personally, personally, to throw off everything that hinders means to develop the habits and the rhythms that allow me to do the things that are most important. So things I'm thinking about are not opening my email until after lunch. Because that becomes a huge distraction for me. I open up and all of a sudden there's people wanting things, asking for things, and, and I start on that path and I don't get back off it until hours and hours later. So if it was really, but I have this sense that, well, there might be something really important. And the reality is, if it was really unimportant, they would call me. So just maybe not open them until lunch. So I'm working on that. Another thing for me is I'm looking at as far as just setting rhythms and patterns in my life is uh, keep my calendar free on Wednesdays just to work on sermons. So I'm not doing with anything else. That's my day to do that. And, and so that I'm not spending you know, Saturday nights preparing for the next morning. And uh, just, so looking at how do I, how do I become a better runner of the race I'm running? You might have other things you're thinking about as well. What can make me better? So in that context, while I understand what this, what the, the point was trying to say about idols, I think what Paul's conveying here is not so much that we're worshiping those things, but we're really distracted by those things. I know for me, that becomes a really big issue in the way I run my race. So number three in your worship guide then, another way we run a race is to address the sin. Paul told us to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Broadly speaking, sin is whatever diminishes our relationship with God. Sin is like trying to run a marathon with an extra hundred pounds of weight. It impedes our progress. It keeps us from actually being able to do what we're supposed to do. 
I think each of us understand those things in our life that would qualify as sin. Things we know that aren't right, things that we know that we shouldn't do, but we continue to live that way anyway. Paul is encouraging us to remove those things from our life. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As we come to the end of 2019 and we begin 2020, determine to throw off those things that hinder you. The sin that so easily entangles us from living the life God wants for us. Number four, Paul then tells us to run with perseverance. Uh, Last night, uh, Betsy and I had a chance to uh, attend um, a retirement party from a close friend. Uh, 44 years at the Bank of America. Uh, You know, it's interesting. He started working in the mailroom at the age of 17. Part-time job while he was in high school. Um, Working in the mailroom and just worked his way up for 44 years uh, working uh, with this one organization, which that in and of itself is just amazing that you can spend that much time with one organization. That just doesn't happen these days. Things weren't always easy for him. He told stories last night of things that he endured. He went through two different layoffs. He literally was laid off, but then called back shortly thereafter within a very short period of time. Um, But it was interesting. He would say that during that time, you know, you're in that moment just like, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? And how could this happen? And feeling as if he'd made some mistakes along the way, only to realize that when they called him back, it was to a different role, a different position, with a different group of people to influence. And he realized, oh, okay. Now, 40 years later, you go, okay, God, I see what you were doing. That actually was pretty cool. In the moment, it was really painful. And now looking back, you could see what was happening. He's also had to work with difficult people over the years, as you know, any of us who've been around organizations or been around people long enough. Well, there's a few of them out there, people we just don't get along with and challenges and different things with work. And it wasn't always easy, but through it all, our friend continued to love God and love people. He persevered. It's interesting. I, on my phone, I have three voicemail messages that I've saved. <clears throat> I, I, one is from uh, my, uh, my father who... Uh, Every birthday calls you and just sings happy birthday in the most ungodly sound and tone imaginable. I mean, intentionally. He tries to sing it as off-key as he can, um, and he succeeds greatly. And uh, so I've saved that just because it's, it's just funny. Um, I've got a voicemail message from my oldest son, who he was probably 23, 24 years old, and he was driving... And he calls and says, Dad, I just want to tell you, just call and say how much I appreciate the way you raised me. You and Mom did a really good job. You know, and just, and just like, who is this? You know, and uh, you recount all those years of we've all killed each other, and now he's calling and just saying thank you. And I saved that one. That's the message. Yeah, my third one is actually from my friend who just mentioned went to his party last night. Yeah. I had gone through an organizational reshuffle and I found myself trying to say, all right, what's next? Um, Within hours of hearing the information, he called me and just left me a message and just said, listen, I just want you to know you're not alone. You've got a lot of people who love you and you're going to be okay. 
in that moment, it was just one of those things that just was huge for me. And I've saved that message to this day because of just what it meant in that moment. But he was able to do those things because he persevered. In the midst of his own struggles, in the midst of his own issues in life, he was conscious of the fact that there were other people around him that sometimes needed him to speak out and to love and to do something positive. And it was really pretty cool. And so many of us have benefited from his life because of it. Through it all, our friend continued to love God and to love people, and he persevered. Because the race of faith is a marathon and not a sprint, we also need to develop the daily rhythms and routines that keep us fully engaged in the race. Lastly, let me circle back up then to number one. We need to focus on Jesus. Paul reminds us that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. It all started with him. It's all about him. And because of the new life we would receive, because of the new life we would receive, Jesus endured the cross. There certainly was no benefit to him. But because of what it would do for us, he persevered. He didn't care about the shame. Not only was the crucifixion, not only was crucifixion incredibly painful and it was a form of torture, but it was incredibly shameful from a, a, a society standpoint. Only the worst of the worst were crucified. It was an act of shame and ridicule as much as it was of punishment and put to death. And yet he didn't care about that. He, would, he accepted that because of his love for us. Paul's telling us that we need to consider Jesus so that we will not grow weary and we won't lose heart. Have any of you ever driven a boat? You're in a boat in the lake and you find yourself just kind of wandering. And, yeah, and uh, there, I've discovered the reason why that is because there's no lanes. There's no markers on the lake, you know, or the river, whatever you're on, that kind of makes you can keep straight. What I learned, though, however, was from someone who actually knew what they were doing, is that you find a point in the distance where this, you know, a house or a tree on the other shore, and you keep that in your sight, and that's what you're driving towards. And by keeping that as your focal point, you're able to actually then go straight across the lake instead of zigzagging back and forth. You focus on the distant point. By focusing on that distant object, you stay the course. Back in the 90s, and some of you who might be old enough remember this, do you remember, or do you maybe actually wore one, a bracelet with initials WWJD? What would Jesus do? Um, while the practice became more of a fad, the idea behind it is really very sound. What would Jesus do? As Christ followers, our desire is to be and live like Jesus. As we go through life, Jesus is our focal point that we're looking at. Keeping our eye on Jesus keeps us from zigzagging and meandering around the lake of life. It keeps us on the path that we want to go. As we focus on Jesus, we can then emulate his life and we can truly follow him. As we come to the beginning of the new year, let's determine to run the best race that we possibly can. Be thinking of how you can participate in the 21-day fast. Uh, there's the, Mike just mentioned the brochure. 
um, that's out there. There's a booklet for each of the 21 days, a reading, some things to think about and pray about. Um, I just think it would be really cool for all of us if we're all doing this together. Now, 21 days is a long time. I get that. Fasting for some of us is like, yeah, right. Um, and, I, and I really, for some of us, is one we just don't want to. Others of us, is actually physical limitations because of health. And, and I get that. Here's, here's, my, here's my encouragement. Do something. For those 21 days, do something. I know for, for the last couple of years, Betsy's thing, and I hope I'm not, she's not here, so I can, uh, I can talk about her. So um, you can't say anything. You can't tell I told you. For the last couple of years, her thing was giving up, choc- giving up chocolate. She physically has a hard time giving up a meal. It actually causes a physical reaction. But she said, for those 21 days, I'm not going to, I'm going to give up chocolate, which for her is a really, really big deal. She loves chocolate. And for her, that's her way of saying, God, in this season of life, I want my attention to be on you, not on me. And I just think that's really cool. Others can actually give up meals, can give up food, and, and maybe God might be calling you to do something like that. For others, it might be something that's just enough to say, you know what, this is not about me. It's about Jesus, whom I'm trying to be like, who I'm trying to become, where I'm trying to go. And so I would really want to encourage all of us to do something during that 21 days. Let's see what God will do in the midst of that. We sang our songs earlier today and about God movement and God doing things amongst us. And some of us have experienced that already this year, but wouldn't it be really cool if we could see that even to a greater extent next year? But watching God work in our lives, seeing us become more like Jesus and watching that happen within those around us as well. What a really cool thing to be a part of. That would be my encouragement as we come to this end of this year, as we're thinking about next year, we start off the year with a 21-day period of prayer and fasting. Let's just let that set the tone for the rest of the year and see that we might not actually run great races next year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that um, you have called us to run the race, this race of grace. Lord, we're able to do this because you've called us, because of what you have done for us, because you first loved us we're able then to respond in a way that glorifies and acknowledges you. So Lord, if there's anyone here today that has never done that, that has never really surrendered their life to you, may they do that here this day. Lord, uh, whether that they're religious or they go to church or maybe they do good things, but God, their heart just has never been totally surrendered to you. Lord, may may today be the day May they just in this moment, even as we're praying now, surrender their heart to you and determine to run this race of faith to the best of their ability because of the grace you've given. Lord, for others of us, I ask and pray that you would give us the courage to be honest with ourselves. Maybe there's some things we need to get rid of. Maybe for some like me myself, we find ourselves being distracted and Others, there might be some very specific actions, some acts that, that we know that aren't right and are keeping us from running the race that, as we should. So Lord, give us the courage to actually be that honest with ourselves and to, and to be able to own up to those shortcomings. And then Father, give us the strength to be able to do something about it. 
And uh, so, Father, I thank you that you've called us to run the race. You've called us to follow Jesus. And, Lord, as we do, you're shaping us and conforming us into his image. So, Lord, with, with hearts of thanksgiving and gladness, we give you thanks for all these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.